Hello and welcome back to the North Pine Podcast. My name is Luke Fleck and I am the CEO of North Pine Creative. And today I am joined with Benjamin Clements, who is our CEMO for North Pine Creative. And uh, how you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to continue our discussion um, around making your website work for you. So if you have not listened to the um, first part of this podcast, you should definitely go check that out. Um, ben talked about a lot of great things um, around defining your purpose and your goal for a website, how do you grade a website, um, as well as what are some ways that you can be generating leads through your website. Um, so we're going to move into part two right now. Starting off with my first question for you, Ben. Um, when people bring up creating a website, right, they usually bring up uh, SEO. Um, so what is SEO, first of all, and then how do you implement it? Because it seems like it's this thing that everyone talks about, but like it's just there. It's like, ooh, SEO, and it makes you sound fancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. So think of your website like it's your storefront. If you got terrible customer service or nobody knows about you, no one comes to your store. So SEO is like customer service between your store or your website and Google or other search engines or other search engines, but other search engines don't matter. Google are the busybodies throughout the neighborhood who tell people about your website. So if you don't give them good content to talk about, they're not going to pass your website along to potential customers. So how this works is Google is what they do what they call crawling your website. So they're going through the the actual like code of your website probably once every week or every other week, like just for the heck of it, to gather data on what your website is. And it's log runs and it's codes. This is not people. This is just computers going through your website. And it's deciding whether your website matches certain search criteria. So when people search x product if you sell x product and the words are not built on your website correctly people aren't going to find your website so this is not this have nothing to do with paying anybody to do anything unless of course you're paying someone like us to build the seo of your website it is a free thing that most companies can do on their own they could just have one of their staff members or they themselves can do just build out basic very clear statements that talk directly about what it is that you do. If you're geographically uh, located somewhere, like you have a storefront that you need people to get to, or you have a service you offer in a particular area, you need to reference that area. You need to reference the cities that you do business in. You need to reference the counties that you're in, the state that you're in. So Google knows that when I search, I need uh, a carpenter in Minneapolis. I don't get the carpenter in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I need the carpenter in Minneapolis. I need a list of them in Minneapolis to do work for me. So if your website doesn't state you're a carpenter in Minneapolis or you haven't clearly demarcated where you do business, Google probably won't throw you at the top. It'll know you're a carpenter, but it won't know where to put you. Other things that play into SEO is descriptions that don't actually show up on your website. Most websites, when you go to build them on most platforms like Wix or Squarespace, they'll have what they call SEO descriptions. They'll even have tabs in there where it, it guides you in building the SEO of your page. Descriptions that only Google sees. 
and that you don't actually find on your website. Now, what you don't want in SEO is content that is words that have nothing to do with your content. So if people are coming to your website and they don't get what Google thought uh, your content was uh, referring to, it'll actually start to rank you lower and lower. It knows whether people like your website or not. It's keeping that data. So you need to make sure that you're providing what you're promising on your website because the, the Google's computers are thinking. How you label your page, how you label each page is important. Keywords need to be in page titles. How you label your graphics can also be important. That's also something that Google's bots will go, go through when they crawl your website. So don't just throw a generic or just you know, a bunch of random letters on your, your images. Title them a very specific way because that's another thing that it might crawl. Now, that being said, none of this matters uh, that as much as it could matter if you don't do basic analytics. If you don't track analytics, you have no idea what's happening. Your SEO is just you stabbing in the dark. So you need to go open up a free Google Analytics account and link it to your website for free and get all of the data for free. They don't charge anything because they want you to use Google Ads. That's where they make most of their money. So if you're not collecting your analytics, which is free, don't do anything but Google Analytics. Unless, of course, it's a very fancy company and you are talking to a sales rep that's explaining why they're going to do something better than Google Analytics, don't play with anything else. Right now, just focus on Google Analytics and track what progress is coming from your website. So what's some of the specific data that uh, Google Analytics tells you and how does that data connect to SEO? Yeah, it tells you where people are looking at your website, like what country they're in, what city, state they're in, where in the country, what time did they look. So all of that data feeds into, am I actually getting my audience to look at my website? How long were they at my website? That feeds back into how you created your page. If you create your page funny, you, you might get people coming to your website, but they don't do anything on your website. They don't fill any forms. They don't buy any products. So you need to... Make sure that you're, you're, you're going through all of the analytics. Now, that's just a brief overview of what they'll, they'll do for you. If you really want to know about analytics, another thing they offer for free is courses on their website. I think it's like Google University or something or Google Ads University. They'll teach you everything about Google Analytics for free. So this is something I'm going to give you a brief overview for. They're willing to tell you everything that their software does without charging you a dime. And that's something you can add to your resume because they'll, they'll give you a certificate. Cool. But that, that certification and those things, it takes time. I'll tell you, <laughs> I have done stuff for like HubSpot and oh my Lord, it takes time. So in Google analytics, does it uh, tell you what keywords um, people are searching for to get to your site at all? Yeah, I believe you can look that, that up. There's certain words that uh, are coming up in the searches people are searching. So they'll search X phrase and then they'll land on your website. Google will track what kind of searches were done that your website came up in. So you know uh, when you're going back through the SEO of your page, you don't want you to go back and be like, gee, I didn't mean to make that word very important, but apparently it is. Or... I wanted this word to be what people need to find me as. So if I'm going in there and I'm getting people who 
want this service, X service, but I offer Y service, and then I'm not wording something right on my website. I'm not being specific enough. So, yeah, that's that's really important to know what searches you're coming up in. Gotcha. And then um, with those keywords that you kind of find out that or key phrases and words that you're ranking for and that are kind of helping you, um, should you be going back in and putting more of those keywords in there? Does Google look favorably upon that? Do they frown upon that? Like, um, what's kind of the protocol for once you figure out what your bread and butter is for um, keywords that Google is ranking you for? Yeah, Google, like I said, it's it's all their computers. It's not their people. So if you're leaning into the keywords that work for your website, as long as they're actually getting what they want when they come to your website and Google doesn't think you're just a dud that people aren't actually interacting with, then by all means, lean into the words that get people to your website and then actually deliver what you promise. So I shouldn't be taking that keyword and put it like a hundred or a thousand times on that one page then, huh? Probably not a good idea. Um, so in relation to SEO, um, blogs are kind of one of those ways that, you know, you really build SEO. So how does that work? How does a blog actually help you build um, SEO on your site? Yeah, so blogs are just endless, what we call crawlable material, just you get to decide how you want it worded. You can use words repeatedly. You can use certain phrases that you want people to uh, search and you know, find your website. So when you build out good blog material, and it's actually decent blog material, it's not just you typing random stuff, uh, that's stuff that Google can find, and that's more searches that any one of your blogs might come up in. It might not just be your website. It might be a blog article that you wrote about a product or a product review that you did. And that particular article pops up in a Google result somewhere. Each page, each Google, I'm sorry, each blog post will be its own unique little SEO engine. So each one might come up unique because each one's typed up uniquely. It could come up in a different search. So if you're doing it, be consistent. Don't just create a few because what you don't want to do is create a bad user experience where you've got blog posts from 2015 and nothing since. So if you're going to do a blog to build the SEO of your website, keep it consistent and don't set your goals too high. You're not going to blog every day. That's that's like 1% of all bloggers blog every day is my guess. Set a reasonable goal of a blog a month or a blog a, a week and make it consistent because the, the, added, the, the bag of stuff you open up is, is it good content? Is it going to create a good experience? So if you think if your goal is just SEO, but then you forget that that your blog might mess with your user experience because people are going to find it on your website, make sure that your the actual user experience of the blog works and is something your customers want to interact with. Then lean into the SEO. So when you talk about uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you talk about quality of blog post, can you kind of flesh that out a little bit more in terms of what you mean by that? Yeah, it's just not your fleeting thoughts. It's if it's relevant to your market, it's relevant to the services you provide, and it's helpful to people. So it might not be I'm driving people to my website. It might be a repeat customer that's just going through my website and they're going through my blog posts. If that content is dumb, you, you don't want to lose customers. So the content needs to be relevant to the field that you're in or the, the uh, part of the economy that you service. 
It needs to be relevant to those products and those services, not just your fleeting thoughts about anything. So in the last segment, we talked about not having personal content. Your blog on your website, is it a company blog or a personal blog? If it's a personal blog, it needs its own website. It needs its own home somewhere else. If it's about the company, then it needs to be about the product specifically, not just your everyday life happenings. It's not a place for you to update your customers on what you're doing on the weekends. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So then, um, is there anything else that blogs are kind of good for other than just building SEO? Like, does it help with anything else? I could help with reputation. If they're well written and they're knowledgeable about whatever it is that you're doing, all of that is stuff that someone who wants to do their research on you before they buy your product or service, all of those articles are potential things they're going to read and uh, make a decision off of. If you sound like you're just giving your fleeting thoughts, they're not going to treat you like a professional. But if you have very well put together content that also looks good, reads good, and is informative, then you're, you're building rapport with your clients and potential clients. So it really establishes you as kind of that expert in the field, right? So I guess what, the, what I'm trying to say is if you're going to do a blog, it's not just there for SEO. You need to do it well or don't do it at all. Gotcha. So you shouldn't just be kind of throwing a bunch of keywords in there just to kind of get people to your site. That's not going to actually do anything for you. That probably will do more harm than good. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Wow. Oof. So um, on the topic of kind of like, you know, websites and how those are applying, um, another thing that, you know, gets talked about too of how this applies to a website is the sales funnel. So kind of how does the sales funnel apply to a website? Yeah, so a sales funnel is a clearly designed and laid out path that people are going to follow intuitively as they go through your website and at the end of that funnel is a sale or a form completion or a donation uh, or whatever your your company needs it at the end of the day or offers so the landing page is what we call it might not be your home page it's just the first page you want people to land on and then that page uh, should lead to the next step in the process and then after that should be a process completion page. There should be very few steps in the process. So in the funnel, you have about three tiers before you lose almost everybody. Three tiers before you lose almost everybody. So if I find product X description on the internet, uh, I need a link on that page that's clearly demarcated that says buy now or add to cart. And then that will then take me. So if you haven't noticed over the past uh, 10 years, websites have gone from me clicking on uh, add to cart and nothing happening. It just adds to my cart and then I keep on shopping to I click on add to cart and it takes me to my cart and it ushers me to check out like, oh, here you go. It's not like shopping in the store where you just keep putting stuff in your cart. Now we've also seen the addition of the buy now button uh, where you just click on it. Boom. You got to purchase like no thinking. It's not in your cart. It's just Boom, yours now. Uh, Amazon's added a little bit of a, a step in there. I think there was a period where it was just you click, you got it. Now there's a pause, what payment method, and where do you want it shipped? That's it. Then it's yours. There's no. They've taken the shopping cart out of the mix. That is all examples of types of sales funnels. So you land on a page, 
there needs to be a clear next step. Well, where am I going with this page? Do I have to hunt down the answer? I shouldn't have to hunt down the contact us page to get a hold of you. It should be clearly on there. So landing pages are the pages people come to first, and they should be ones you've deliberately chosen as your first page. So when you, are, when you have Google ads out there, you need to decide whether the page that they land on is your home page or a specifically built first landing page that directly sends them to the next step in the process without any extra fluff. It is brief description, brief reviews, check out or learn more, or it's very obvious. You might even, like I mentioned in the last segment, get rid of the links on the top of your page, get rid of other options. So a sales funnel doesn't have 10 different holes leading off in 10 different directions. It's just step one, step two, step three, we're done. If your sales funnel has more than three steps in it, it's probably not built right. You've lost almost everybody after step three. Because people only really want to do what? About two to three clicks to do anything. They don't really want to do more than that. Yeah. So another, yeah, another way of, of describing it is how many clicks before I lose them. So they're trying to get to the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And if it has to be click here, click here, click here, click here, click here. Now you're here. I lost them all along the way. And sometimes it's not because they're angry, judgmental customers. It's just that everybody's time is precious. I'm here to get to wherever I'm going. And if you're not going to get me there in a timely manner, I'm going to get distracted. And if everybody's going, everyone's going towards viewing websites on their phone, then Every second they're on my website is a second they can get a text that sends them somewhere else. They get a Facebook message that sends them somewhere else. Social media notification, a phone call, an email that's going to take them away from my website. So that funnel needs to be quick because the distractions are right there and ready to take them away from your website. So you kind of talked about like making it relevant um, to what they're doing. So making it kind of simple. It seems like you want to, when you get someone to that site, you want to, as you said, make it clear. Um, what another way to, so I'm understanding you right, another really good way to describe it would probably be intuitive. Um, making it really intuitive, would you say that's really important when you're creating that sales funnel so they don't have to really think super hard or like second guess or question? Yeah, next step should always be obvious. If it's not, then you're, you don't want them to have to think about where they're going. They already know where they're going. Just walk them down. Mm-hmm. So if there's kind of a place in the line, so let's say I built this landing page and I want them to um, you know, download my free resources after they plug in their information, right? So I have my Google Ads. They click on that. They go to the next page. Right. And that next page is the, you know, hey, we have this free resource for you. And like, here's what it has. And okay, now fill in your contact information. And I'm seeing a high percentage of people see that page and then bounce. Um, What would kind of be the process of what you could do to kind of fix that to convert someone then? Yeah. You just got to make sure that the content is clear and obvious in the first section we, we i talked about not making your website busy get rid of all the dumb stuff that might send them elsewhere if they're distracted it should be by something else that's come that's not on your website your website shouldn't distract them from your website uh, and if the product is not if the pages are not obvious to what or 
they're not truthful to what the, the person thought that they were getting, then you've got people there that shouldn't have been there in the first place, and that's going to throw your data off. So don't overpromise. Don't uh, misdescribe things. Uh, make it very clear. Uh, don't make it busy. Make it obvious, and the sales funnel should work. Fantastic. So those are the things you should be then reevaluating if you're not seeing those conversions in those sales funnel. Going back through that line and checking that. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but always evaluate whether your product sucks. But um, yeah, that's the gist of it. Fantastic. So let's move into uh, kind of if someone is looking to either find someone to kind of make these changes for them or they are saying, you know what, I have this website or I don't have, didn't build a website and I, I want to build one. What are some of the questions that they should be asking um, the person that they hire to build it for them? Whether that be their designer, their developer, what, are, what, what, what should they be asking them? Yeah, first question I would ask, if I don't want to continue with you, do I get the website handed to me or do I lose the website? That's going to mm. be a big one. Big website developers, it, it could be a, a big challenge. There might be fees hidden, and if you don't want to continue with me, then transferring the website to someone else's server or transferring the ownership could be a lot more difficult than uh, smaller web companies like Wix and Squarespace, where transferring ownership is actually really easy. You could do it in a 15, 20 minutes. But bigger developers, depending on what you need your website to do, it could get pretty messy over if I leave, uh, if I would choose to go to a different company, how do I keep my website? Second question I would ask, referring to Google Analytics, am I going to get data regularly on how my website's performing? If they're a real company, then they're going doing, if they're professional, they're doing analytics on your website. And if they're not going willing to share it with you at all, or give you give it give some to you, then they're they're not worth your time. It's not that hard to send over reports on a regular basis. I'd say no more than weekly. Um, you don't need to bog them down. But you need to know reports on how your website's doing. And then based on what those reports say, uh, if you don't know much about websites and the data looks good and it's looking better and better every week, trust them. Stay with them and trust them. At the end of the day, you want data that's clear and obvious that says your website's doing better and better and that means your company's going to do better and better. So don't get overly critical and analytical of a company that can be open with you and prove that they're performing and prove that they're helping your brand succeed. So if they don't give you data, you can't evaluate that. But if they do give you data and everything's on the up and up week after week, then you got a good company. So that kind of goes back then to setting goals and knowing what the goal of your website is. Because, I mean, you could say that, oh, well, we had all these people look at it. But what they really wanted was they wanted to gain more leads or they wanted to sell more of a certain product, right? So it would be beneficial to have those goals set as well and make sure you have those. Another thing that you need to talk about is how many pages you want. Developers will charge by the page sometimes or mm. by the hour. And if they are coming up with, oh, you need 35, 45, 67, 80 pages, then they're, they're finding ways to squeeze money out of you. Uh, you need to ha ask for reasons and purpose statements behind each page, not just the website, the page. Why did you want to build that page for me? Is that page necessary right now? Can we wait or do without that page? So don't go crazy with the pages. Don't go crazy with links to different places. 
you want a very uh, clean website that's not busy, doesn't have extra information, just gives people exactly what they want and leads them to um, buying your service or product. So it kind of sounds like, too, what you're saying is you should sit down beforehand and kind of think through what you want in a site, right? Because, you know, if you bring someone in, like you said, and they're charging based on how many pages they build, then you're just going to get nickel and dimed. Uh, and they probably won't have your best interest if that's what they want to push, right? So it's good to sit down and have what you really want in a site before you even have, when you start to have that conversation with someone to build it out for you, right? Uh, is there any other questions that you think um, that the developer uh, should ask or the designer should ask you, you know? Um, I guess another thing that we haven't talked about is the complications of graphic size. Uh, this really isn't a question you need to ask your developer, um, but if you're building your website, uh, make sure that you use graphics that actually work and they're not just, just because they're beautiful doesn't mean they're going to work. They got to be the right dimensions, the right size, the right um, perspective. They got to be done on a professional camera. Uh, just because it, it looks cool on your, your lock screen on your phone doesn't mean it's going to go well on your website and it doesn't mean it's going to go well on every device. So make sure you've got good graphics on your website that work. In my time building websites, finding and building graphics that work can be a nightmare, especially when you find a, a graphic you really want to use, uh, but you got to say, no, we're not going to wind up using this because it's just I can't make it work the way I need it to work on all devices. Well, and that kind of dips into the branding too, you know, like what you said of, oh, well, I like the really, I really like how it works, but maybe that doesn't fit the brand that you're really going for and it just completely changes the feel of the website entirely fantastic well um thank you so much ben uh for continuing this discussion on how to make your website work for you um i really liked what you talked about with the blogs a lot because i think you know it, it seo is such a huge part of the online space and google and how that all works and that can get very complicated so i really appreciated the way how you made it super straightforward and simple and easy to understand and i loved your analogy by the way i forgot to mention but with the they're they're the person that's helping you out in the neighborhood i i love that that was fantastic i've never heard anyone describe it like that before well um if you have found uh, this podcast to be beneficial um spread the love share it with uh, other friends uh, fellow business owners um, and get this information out to them. Uh, if you have any questions regarding what you heard, feel free to drop a, drop a comment down below if you're on YouTube right now, um, or feel free to message us on our social media platforms or go to our website and reach out to us. Um, if you have any questions that you would like to get answered on the podcast, um, definitely reach out to us about those as well. We're always looking to see uh, and hear what people really want to know about and what topics are important to them. Um, so thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time.